would you uh would you would you like to count us down or should I do that or why don't you why don't you do it? Okay, so because it's the Tour de France, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I did last week. That's right. Yeah. Oh, no. How's that going? I mean, they're they're pedaling, right? They are pedaling. That's what they do. Yeah, basically every day. How long is that um, last? Two weeks? Three weeks? Um, it is. Yeah, it's a it's a, a three week Grand Tour. I think is that right? Yeah, there's like 21 stages. Um, I've actually not been following it very closely this year. What? Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know, like. I guess I have a quote unquote a real job now. <laughs> so you can't sit there in front of your So uh, I can't just like have and... the live stream of the race going on while I'm sitting in my office. I mean I guess I can, but uh, it's not the same as sitting in my home office. Yeah. I just kinda having it on. Right. Uh, Which I would do like at home, you know. So there there are live streams of the whole race. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. From so generally the way it works, like for a U.S. audience or whatever, is the television stream will pick up at some point a, an hour or two, depending on how long the stage is, into the stage. And they'll kind of carry you through to the, to the end um, of that day's stage. And so sometimes it will be three hours long. Sometimes it will be five hours long, what they actually televise. Because, you know, if they're in the mountains, it take the stages are longer. Um like they last a longer amount of time, even if they don't, even if the distance isn't longer. Um, and they're not going to show you from the kind of neutral zone start. Uh, but you can find there are other streams that are online as well that you can watch if you want to watch from the very start. So uh, are, are they – so when I watch my NASCAR races, I've got a favorite driver and I can go on the iPad app and watch all of his telemetry in real time. And hear his radio chatter, and see where he is on the track. And I, I basically watch that, and then I'll, you know, I might have the TV, or, or you know, I might be streaming it from off the back of the truck somewhere, um, you know, on, on the computer. But for the most part, I'm, I'm just watching his telemetry because I think that's the fascinating part. Is it kind of like that with the Tour de France, or is it? Like, so, can you um, get that kind of data? So, no, I don't think so. I mean, like they have the data, the teams have the data, but. They're also pretty close to the chest with a lot of that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, some riders will have the data to where, like, the TV channels will have it. And so, you know, they'll pop that up every now and then. But it's not the, it's not the same. I mean, the app is pretty good. It will give you location and things like that. Particularly, like, when cycling, it, it becomes pretty important on a lot of stages, like, which group somebody's in because, you know, they don't always stay in one group and what's called the peloton. And so you'll have breakaways where there'll be riders going off the front and you'll have you know, people in the back and you'll have behind kind of the peloton of what's called a gruppetto form. Um, so like a group that comes together behind the main pack and because they're slower and it's, you know, easier to ride in a group or you, you know, spend less energy. You're so you get kind of all right? that. You get location. Yeah, that's a, well, it's exactly what it is because you save like 30% of your energy um, by doing that. So you can get location data like that, but it's not, at least as far as, I've not looked at the app this year. Like NBC, who still does, yeah, I think NBC owns them now, um, does it. and So, so it's not like I, you, can, you can follow Lance Armstrong like in real time and see his heart rate and how fast he's going. Right, yeah. yeah. No, you can't do that. Okay. So, at least I don't think you can. I mean, that never before have 
I seen a way to do a place to do that. So yeah, I don't think you can. Yeah, but uh, do the teams have that kind of information? Like his, you know, heart rate and blood pressure and whatever. Um, so they would have. I would imagine that they have heart rate. Um, because I mean, like cyclists kind of live by their heart rate. Right. Uh, so the heart rate, and they'll have. They are, aren't you impressed that I knew that? Yeah, they'll have watts too, which is kind of like the amount of power they're they're right. producing. Sure, uh, they'll be able to see that. You know, the computers on the bikes, they will read them all that, and then you know, speed and uh, cadence and things like that would be the data points that they're concerned about. Um, I don't know about blood pressure so much. I mean, usually it's kind of like the physical, personal data. It's mostly heart rate. Yeah, that's interesting. Good old Ohm's law. See, my my yeah. eighth graders always said that. Uh, Ohm's law would never help them in real life, but if they're watching the Tour de France, <laughs> exactly, you know, power amps, volts, watts, right? It's all in there. W equals uh, vi, right? Oh, good times. Um, so I, I've been uh, I've been working on <laughs> having to go through all these these tabs with pictures of Ivanka Trump. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, that was research for the show. Uh, my wife walked in earlier and she was like, what are you looking at? <laughs> I was like, it's, we're doing the podcast. To, never mind. Looking at our next vice president. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I've been using the iPad as my main computer, speaking of, of live streaming and that kind of thing. And things like the NASCAR app or Major League Baseball. I mean, I'm a huge Cubs fan, right? So I'm always lifelong, not just this year. Bandwagon. Hashtag. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I've been listening and watching to the oh, – listening to and watching the Cubs on the MLB.TV app for, gosh, I don't know, since it first launched, like 2009, 2010. I mean, it's been a long time. And I've been paying like 120 bucks or whatever it is to, to use that. And it's it's definitely one of my most used apps. So when I have an iPad, um, I always really relish that app because it's, it's a nice way to just kind of tune into the game and not have to interact too much, but, you know, know what's going on. And now with this iPad Pro having the little minimized screen down in the corner is really really cool. Um, but I've been using the iPad as my main sort of workstation computer. There's some things I have to do on this big uh, Windows desktop, like podcasting or working in Photoshop or InDesign or when we're working on a commercial or something for a client. I'm I'm sitting here working on this, but for the most part, I can take this little iPad Pro and or the the baby iPad Pro as they call it, the 9.7 inch. And get to a coffee shop or go to a meeting and, you know, boom, it's there. So for, what, the last two, three years, I've, I've really gone back into Android. And I've been using Android as my main kind of everyday carry operating system. And I really enjoy it. And I, I, I like the way Android is, is going. But this iPad has really converted me sort of back to iOS. And all of a sudden now I find myself with my iPhone or a six plus and my iPad because like it or not, walled gardens really are easier to, <laughs> to work in. Yep. So I'm in this transitory period because I, I actually just sold my, uh, Nexus, uh, on Swappa, which is kind of like an eBay slash gazelle type site. So, you, you know, you upload pictures and you put your stuff there and there's a lot of Android phones. there, so definitely kind of an Android place. Whereas Gazelle is kind of like an iPhone place. But Gazelle is not really a marketplace, whereas Swappa is. And I actually met a lot of really nice people on, you know, quote, met 
uh, trying to sell this thing, and I sold it for more than I bought it for, which, <laughs> which you know, it's never a bad deal when you sell a phone. Yeah, that's, you know, after, that's impressive. Yeah, after what eight months. Um, so I bought it for one ninety nine on a special, and I sold it for two fifty. And I was nice. like, well, that's you know, can't can't complain there. So I mailed it off, and hopefully the lady got it today who who purchased it in Indiana. Um, but this move back to, to iOS as my kind of primary carry has really made me think about how I do things. And we talk about Evernote on the show a lot. And we talk about, you know, kind of the, the tech side of things and workflow, whether it's academic or business or whatever. Um, you know, especially in relation to things like PDFs or just meetings or, or scheduling and that kind of thing. And it's been a, it's, it's been kind of an eye opening move because I've, been thinking a lot more intentionally about you know what's on my phone what's on my ipad how do they work together or what's the best way to do it um so if you get to our show notes um and if you're listening to the show just scroll down or swipe right or swipe left if you don't like us on tinder uh <laughs> but on, on the uh in the show notes there are two pictures or two pictures of both of our sort of home screens on on iphone and it's it's kind of fun to look at you know it's like iphone porn <laughs> it's like what's on your home right. screen oh what's on your home yeah screen? what i'm thinking too like yours looks so more professional than mine <laughs> you think i don't know yeah i don't know i mean it's, yeah i don't know like you have like no ability and omnifocus and stuff and no well, omni- I mean, on my I, own screen yeah so okay well let's start there so omnifocus for me is Again, I've been an OmniFocus subscriber, buyer, whatever, for a long, long time. I first heard about it in 2007, I think, on a, on a podcast called MacBreak Weekly. And uh, Merlin Mann was talking about it. <clears throat> so I immediately went home and bought it. It was like 80 bucks, uh, But it's, it's basically like a glorified to-do list. But it's based on David Allen's Getting Things Done uh, mentality, which is a, a, yeah. still a fantastic book. And uh, I, I give away copies every year to clients and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and the whole idea is it's not just like Wonderlist, which both of us love, or Wonderlist, but it's it's kind of a a more of a, a mental approach to getting things done. So you, you dump everything, you have context, and you have projects, and there's a great iPad app, and there's a you know, pretty good iPhone app, and there's a Mac app. There is no Windows app, which is kind of a sticking point, but I figured, look, if I'm working on the iPad and the iPhone, then this is going to be my main kind of place to do that and it, it, it integrates with a calendar which is fantastic for me and you can put things on your calendar just by making them you know uh, assigned to a certain due date and it's got geolocation stuff so when i get to lowe's uh all of a sudden or if i drive by lowe's i get like 10 things pop up i mean not that many but it says like oh you know remember to buy double batteries and nails and you're going to power wash the house so pick up this kind of cleaner so anytime you think of things you just dump it Right, and, and you don't hold on to that stuff. Yeah. So for me, it's really essential, and that's what's on my my bottom bar or my my dock, if you will. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny to look at because I, I'm still at that kind of weird period where I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to use Notes or Evernote, and I don't know what to do with that because Notes works so much better with the iPad Pencil or with the Pencil, which doesn't work. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's so good with the pencil, and I use it all the time. Evernote works with the pencil, but it, it doesn't. 
you can tell they haven't put everything into it. So like when you put your wrist down on the iPad, especially the big one, and you, and you start writing it, you know, your wrist starts messing up. And if you open like a, like a PDF in Evernote and you, you try to annotate it, you can't write. You, you can make shapes, but you can't write on the PDF within Evernote using the pencil, which is a major pain in the ass. So, yeah. So, and that, yeah, it's interesting because I don't have the Apple Pencil. So, or I should say, I don't have Apple Pencil. Um, since we're not supposed to use any kind of object markers, yeah, for there's no object markers. Any Apple devices, apparently. Um, so, I, I haven't thought about that. I obviously use Evernote, um, and it works great for me, but I also do less in the way of annotating PDFs in Evernote. Um, you know, Dropbox now lets you annotate PDFs, but it's like through Adobe. So it like kind of opens a PDF in Adobe and then saves it back into Dropbox, which is just to me way too cumbersome. Like Dropbox should just be able to build this in there. That's really what I'd like to see um, for that. But yeah, I mean, so if we're thinking about kind of our, our home screens, um, you'll notice on Sam's you have um, seven folders on your home screen and I have no folders on my home screen. Yeah. I do have, uh, let's see on my entire phone, I have one folder and it's a news folder and that's it. So what, uh, so what do you I do with all the, to, all the apps? I used to use a lot of folders. What do you do with all the apps that you can't uninstall like stocks? Those are all on, no, I have a default folder as well. Okay. okay. All right. It was kind of hidden way back on the very last page. Um, so yeah, those are in a default folder and then I have a news folder, news sources. And it would take multiple pages if I didn't have those uh, in, in a folder. But, but that's it. So I used to use a lot of folders, but to me, it's my first inclination still is not search to open an app. My first inclination is to tap to open it. And a folder and then another tap, it's just one more kind of unnecessary step. And swiping to me makes, I don't know, just makes more sense. And then it's just kind of cleaner and I can visually see what I'm looking for. And I don't have to, now, you know, muscle memory comes into play, but I don't have to think about, okay, you know, which folder I'm looking for because, yes, they have names, but that's not kind of as strong of a visual cue as just the, app logo is or the yeah. app icon so so on my on the bottom of my uh home screen you'll see listening reading watching and for me those are you know those action verbs kind of give me that sense and and i know okay i want to listen to something and we go to overcast so you know i want to perform this action and on the next page because i on all of my devices i only like to have two screens if that i mean i wish I, i'm sure i have my nexus home screen saved somewhere but it was one page and it was just a calendar. And if I want to get it to a certain app, I kind of do what you did there. And that's kind of the neat thing about Android is you hit that. There's a middle button on Android um, instead of that dock thing down there. You have um, uh, uh, all current tasks as a button. And then you have um, go back. And then you in the middle is kind of like what we call the app drawer. And you hit it and it brings up all of your apps in alphabetical order. And people like me would just have a calendar or some kind of widget, you know, home screen. And then you'd hit the app drawer to do it, exactly what you're doing here with, with Springboard with iOS. Right. Um, so for me, it's 
I don't know, the folders kind of represent a, a middle middle ground. And for a long time, there were no folders on iOS, and people used to complain all the time. And I remember those days of having, right. you know, eight home screens or whatever. And well, that was ridiculous. Um, but I, I I do look forward to the day when Apple gets away from this idea of you know apps as little individual icons that all kind of look the same and moves towards more of the Android idea of widgets or, or you know interactive stuff and and yes you can do that with the pull down shade but it's it's not the same as you know cranking on your phone and all of a sudden there's a there's a calendar there so that's right. that's been a, a period of adjustment adjustment for me um, but yeah even things like like the the native calendar app it's it's so much nicer than it used to be and it works so well between the iPhone and the iPad um, that I've gone back to that. And I, I, I've used apps like uh, Fantastical and like you have Google Calendar there. And all of my calendars are, are on Google Calendar. And I, I love Google Calendar. But uh, on iOS, I'm, you know, it's still like there's not that same sort of uh, flexibility of, of doing things with a calendar action that you can do you know from right. the native app which is kind of the case with everything it just integrates so well with everything else yeah exactly. um, and the other thing right if mm. so i have a google calendar there but it'll, it will probably actually come off of my home screen this is kind of a good exercise for me to think about what actually needs to be on my home screen and what doesn't it's like you know, i'm thinking i actually don't use google calendar that often um so that doesn't need to be on my my home screen um because so for instance like having news exchange calendar calendars for things to get into your Google calendar. The iOS calendar is kind of the only place where all of my calendars come together, um, which used to be for me, my Google calendar, right? Cause I have all kinds of calendars on there and share calendars with other people and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, but it's good for me to kind of think about, I don't know, you know, I have the music app on my home screen, which I use some, uh, particularly only when I'm like taking trips you know, I have some music there that I'll listen to, but it's on my home screen mainly because I also have Amazon Music and Pandora on my home screen, and I kind of like things together. So this is, you know, it's not folders, but I'm still organizing things. So it's, oh, my music's kind of all right here. You know, then you slide over a page. I've got, like, uh, sports apps together. You slide over another page. I've got, like, all kinds of travel stuff. So, like, air, airline things and kayak and, you know, open table. Like, things like that that make me think of kind of travel-type things or when I'm out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an interesting exercise to kind of look at somebody else's, you know, get to, get to peek behind the behind the door a little bit yeah, yeah um, for sure and then figure out if you should be self-conscious about yours well and i always learn new apps to use you know that that i wouldn't have seen otherwise when i see these types of pictures like you know trello for me is is kind of uh, that's our business hub and we use trello for all of our project management um and i'm, I'm constantly using trello and in the drop down widgets shade trello is the first thing there so i can quickly add a card or do whatever i need to do within within trello and um you know it's it's such a 
important part that is on that first line, which to me is kind of the most important line. But I think it's funny. Both of us have have the camera in the top right because that's where <laughs> if you look at the physical iPhone, right. that's where the camera is. <laughs> and I've seen people put the camera in other places. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're, you're an animal. Like, why would you put the, the camera app down there or over there? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, right. Why would you put it on the bottom yeah. row? Um, yeah. So uh, my wife, uh, Mariana, just got a uh, iPhone SE. And she was really excited about this when it came out back in March, April. And they've been on back order for a long time. And, and her Verizon contract was up. And, you know, she was like, well, should I get the 6 or should I wait for the 7? Or should I, you know, what should I do? And I was like, well, what about the SE? And she's like, oh, you know, so is that a good phone? And I was showing her all the reviews. And it, it's basically a, a 6S kind of crammed into a, an old 5S body or, you know, iPhone 5 body. Right. And it's fantastic. Um, and it's a great size and you can hold it with one hand and you, you know, you use your pinky as the shelf as it is. And, uh, you can, you can text and all that stuff with one hand and she's got an Apple watch. So, you know, a lot of what she does with her phone in terms of texting or messaging, like she can just do straight from the watch. And it's been really interesting to see her kind of go back to that. Cause she had an iPhone six plus, which, you know, it's a huge phone. Um, so to go from that back to the like the iPhone 4S is <laughs> got to be like a, a strange experience, but she really likes it, and yeah. it's it's been it's been kind of cool. So I'm I'm kind of jealous. I'm like, well, you know, I, I could I think I could totally make do with that. Um, you lose a row of or two of of yeah, just one row of uh, icons, but um, yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting to to see this slow shift back. So the the two new Nexus phones coming out this fall from Google, one's going to be five inches, which is you know, 0.3 inches larger than uh, like a, an iPhone SE, but still, it's it's a lot smaller than what we saw from Google in the past, which is like a six-inch Nexus phone. Um, and you know, an inch on a phone is a huge, huge, huge difference. So I think we're going back yeah. to this kind of small, small uh, uh, kind of physical dimension. And primarily, I think that's because of messaging so, and, and voice stuff. Yeah. So I think you're right, um, but I also think. So I I love the size of my 6 Plus. Um, and for me, it's not just getting the extra row of apps. It's everything is larger, but you can you can get more on the screen. So one of the main things that I've appreciated about the size of the 6 Plus is, say, for instance, my calendar. I can see a lot more. In my email, I can see a lot more, right? Whereas whatever I was on before, the 4S or something like that, you could get like three and a half emails or something to show up. And so, which to me is just kind of ridiculous, right? And, and you use the I, default. I like kind uh, of seeing calendar. a large. I mean, the default email app. Right. Yeah, and on the de- default mail app, which I use quite a bit, and the default calendar app, you like the over half the screen is taken up by the month view if that's what you use, and then what's showing up for today, you get just just a couple, right? So, if we go back, if we are making the shift, which it looks like we are, um, to smaller screens overall. I think there's got to be some pretty significant design changes as well to where you're not having, and this would be a, an, a kind of an impetus for getting rid of the you know click on an app icon type thing, uh, but also some different overall design changes beyond that to where your whole screen is not taken up by something that is you know somewhat unnecessary. Yeah. And I I really like a month view on a calendar. I just, that's how I, I have my Google Calendar. That's how I have I like to look at the whole month and still be able to see things on each day. Um, but 
you know, that's if that's got to shift a little bit. I mean, there's got to be some way to do that where it's not the month and then you get to see one event on that day or something because that that just doesn't cut it. And that's part of the reason I really like the size of my six plus um, because I can do more and see more at once, which seems kind of obvious. But to me, it makes a big difference in kind of how productive I can be. But how do you fit that into your skinny jeans? <laughs> okay, first of all, I don't wear skinny jeans. Um, <laughs> just, I wear just, jeans that that fit. Uh-huh. Uh, like but I'm like these these you know we're trying on the clothes the other day. And I was like these jeans are too tight on me. She's like, no, Sam, those are jeans that fit on you, and like the you know baggy things you're wearing from 1994. Right. Yeah, the problem I will say real quick though about so I'm. I'm somebody who really likes my clothes to fit well, uh, but I I don't like the you know the super skinny look. Um, and even if I did, I couldn't do it because the super skinny look is only designed for you know white guys that are like five two and weigh one eighteen or something like that. Okay. Right? They they have no body mass apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of insane. So I mean kind of your choices what i'm finding now in like men's clothing in a lot of places is your choices are either super skin tight skinny where i can't actually get it up over my thighs because you know heaven forbid i actually exercise and run so i actually have you know some muscles i ran a lot when i was younger so i have you know kind of just that has kind of stayed around uh it's either that or it's something that's just super baggy which I'm just not willing to put on. Um, so that's why we're yeah. uh, my Levi's 501s. They're the only things I've ever found that fit my <clears throat> my weird yeah, body. So, <laughs> when, so I've gone to I've gone to Levi's recently in the past year or so, and they've got um, uh, the 541s, yeah. which are their athletic fit. I mean, right. it's a it's a new it's a new cut they have in the past year or two, and. It's made for guys with bigger thighs and, you know, I guess like a bigger ass too, which I don't really yeah, have that. That's the thing, I have a big thigh. butt. So. <laughs> like yeah. these 501s so, like fit. But they actually – they like still fit jeans. well and actually the the athletic fit, the 541s fit better than my 514s do, which are kind of like the slim fit. Um, so – so yeah, that's that's the gene I I'm just really kind of all about. We should, we should do a whole show on, on genes one day because uh, I, I have yeah. I'm very peculiar. I only have three pair, and I don't wash them, and I've slept in them. I've uh, I've done the thing where you go into salt water, you know, right. and you yep. you do that. Um, but Marianne always yells at me because I don't let her <laughs> wash my or I don't wash my jeans with the laundry. She doesn't right. do all of our laundry. Even you know, I'm not saying that. Um, but when she does do the laundry, she you know she's like, hey, you know, throw me your jeans, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> she's like, come on, they smell bad. So I've actually bought this um, like denim spray. That you spray your jeans with to make them. <laughs> it's like for breeze, but it, it's like thirty dollars for a little. Right. Whatever. It's probably some stupid essential oil. It's just for breeze, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we should do a jean show one day because I'm. Yeah, I'm I, I like that. Popular. I have a lot of thoughts about jeans. That's a good idea. Yeah. But to answer yeah. your question about about the six plus, um, sometimes I'll put it in like if I'm just walking somewhere, and my hands are full, kind of in a in my back pocket. But oftentimes it's in my on the outside of my mod. You know, my mod yeah. from this is ground. It's, yeah, that's true. it's got a phone holder on the outside and on the inside. And I actually uh, don't use it on the inside. One, because um, I put my wallet there most of the times. But um, two, because then if I get a text or a phone call or an email or something, I've got to unzip my mod, pull it, yeah, out, pull it out, all that stuff. That's so, the problem with the riff. I, so I put it in my yeah. riff and I carry that as my, my man purse, my wallet. Um, right. 
which I love, but yeah, if, if I can feel it vibrate, I'm like, damn it, you know, not stop. It's a it's a whole ordeal. Unzip it. Yeah, with the mod, you can just kind of slide it there. And I noticed when we actually got to see each other this weekend, but you don't have a case on your six plus. I do not. I do not. Is that because I mean you're pretty? Why are you going to spend mod? this kind of money on a phone and? put it behind the case. I don't know. I mean, I used to yeah, be a, a you know, big person on cases, but and I've you know, I have had a couple accidents with phones, not not as many I think as most people. So I probably have a false sense of security, but oftentimes I put it in my mod, right? And that's I mean, it's not a case, but it is at least adding something to it and it's a little bit harder for me to drop my mod than it is to drop my phone. Well, and that's why you you get Apple Care Plus. And you yeah. can drop your phone like what two or three times and they'll yeah, you pay fifty yeah. bucks and they'll give you a new one, or they'll fix it. Right. So, like, well, so what's the point? Yeah, I just yeah. So a long, you know, for a long time I had cases, but it was like the screen. You know, I, I guess they're different now. The life proof cases. You know, some of them don't have anything over the screen, but the screen would never look as good. The volume is never good. I mean, even the life. You know, my wife has a life proof case on her six plus, and yeah, it's waterproof and stuff, but you yeah, can't hear where it's shit. You can't hear like, what shit, and they're huge. I mean, it. it and makes... so, like, it's hard to hear her when you're on the phone with her, and it's hard for her to hear, like, when she's you know doing stuff on her phone. Yeah. So it's like I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Plus, these things are um, so beautiful. Like the iPad, it right. even you know, like, why would you? I mean, I put stickers on my iPad because I'm cool like that. But why would <laughs> <Right>. you want to <laughs> mar this thing up with with a big nasty case? It's always been my argument. So when, when Mariana got her uh, iPhone SE at the Verizon store last week, um, or I guess two weeks ago, uh, that was the the big um, thing. Like like it's like okay, so now you need a screen protector and you need a case. So go pick out your case, and and we we're like, right. no, we we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. It's like, well, what you're not gonna get a screen protector or a case? <laughs> I was like, no. She's like, well, I mean, what, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I'm gonna get Apple Care Plus. Well, I mean, you know, but you can still drop it. And I was like, right. And they'll, you know, you pay 50 bucks and you get whatever. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like it, it's not worth doing that. Well, I mean, so you're, you're not going to spend another $80 here at the Verizon store getting a, a screen right. protector yeah. for $30 and a case for $40? Yeah. It's such a scam. But, you know, people fall for it because they think they need a case on their phones, especially yeah. in the Android world because, you know, the, the designs are so bad compared to... <laughs> yeah, there's that too, right? There's that too. You feel like you gotta cover it up. But why? Yeah, why would you pay? Why would you pay all this money for a device and then you know throw it? I, I, stickers are one thing. You know, these stickers mean things to me on my iPad. Right, 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 right. But throwing a case but, on a device is like. So I will say this: what what I'm waiting for, and I've been waiting for a long time for, and we may not. It will probably be years yet before we see it. But I want a waterproof iPhone um, because, like, I run with my phone because I want you know the tracking data with the running, you know, running app that I use, I use Runkeeper. Um, you know, I want all that kind of data. So I run with my phone, I can have music, I can have access to it, whatever, you know, other people, my wife can see my location. She can see like if I'm on my way home or if it's been a long time, she can check and see like, Oh, he's been at this spot for 10 minutes. Maybe I should go check on him or whatever, you know? Um, so they really bothers me. And my phone is, it's just the way I run now, I mean, and with a large phone, it's too large to put into the uh, waist belt thing that I that I wear. I think it's called a flip belt, which is really nice and kind of thin. Um, fanny it has little slots in it. No, it's, it's not a fanny. Like you can't even <laughs> see it when you're wearing it. Like put it under your shirt, so, whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's it's all I can do to put my phone in there. 
And sometimes I'll put it, if it's raining, I'll put it in just a regular plastic baggie, um, slide my phone in there, but it cannot fit with a case. Now, part of that's because I have a six plus and if I had a, you know, the SE, it would fit with a case, but I shouldn't have to put all this crap on my phone just to take it out and go running with it, which is exactly what they want you to do, right? They want you to take your phone with you everywhere and do everything you do with this. And right now, at least the Apple Watch, this version of the Apple Watch, uh, which I don't have, but um, part of the reason I don't have it is because it doesn't have like GPS built into it by itself. So where I could leave my phone at home, right. run with my watch, still have all the same capabilities. I think that's probably coming. Uh, and if it does, then maybe the Apple Watch will just kind of be my running replacement for my phone. Yeah. But it is kind of crazy to me that we're on these kind of this level of amazing a phone. And Apple still has not done anything to even make it like, you know, marketed as water resistant. I mean, it's just kind of crazy to me. Right. Like Samsung and LG and HTC right. all have phones that are water resistant and you can dunk them in up to, I think it's like three or five feet of water for 30 minutes and they're fine. You know, and that's right. not, you know, because putting the life proof, you know, valves and all that stuff. Right. on. <laughs> yeah. If you know me personally, um, I sweat profusely, like just in general and so even more so when i run so even if it's not raining i'm thinking about you know what kind of damage may i be doing to my phone and that i shouldn't have to think about that right let's just be able to take my phone and go yeah and yeah. right now i can't and i mean i could i could so evidently this coming iteration of the iphone and iphone 7 is not going to be anything too groundbreaking it's going to be kind of a, a you know like like the old tiktok release it's going to be right. another talk instead of a tick um but the next year's model, the 2017 iPhone, iPhone 7S or 8 or whatever they make ten, it. Yeah, that, that's going to be the 10 big year one. anniversary. Yeah, right. so it's 10 years old. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was going to say as we wrap this up. Like, isn't it amazing that the iPhone now is 10 years old? And the iPad is going to be six years old now. And things like Evernote are almost 10 years old. And what was I looking at? Uh, I mean, Dropbox is 10 years old. And um, what was the other thing? I was like, oh my gosh, that, that app, oh, oh, Pandora. So, I was, you know, you have Pandora and I have Pandora. Yeah. I, my Pandora station goes back to 2004. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? I mean, that's 12 freaking years. And you think of Pandora is like, oh, it's cutting edge. And it's 12 years old. That's like from here, you know, like when we were kids, like say it's 1990, that would be like 1978. Like that's a long time. And, you know, we think of these things as new, but a lot right. of what we're... I mean, Trello is like six years old. Google Drive is almost 10 years old. You know, it comes from Google Docs, which was 11 years old now, which comes from Writely, which was released in 2003. You know, like I was making documents on Writely on the web in 2003 as a teacher. And, you know, we think all this stuff is, as so cutting edge, but it's not really. Um, so all that to say, I think we're, we're coming to a, a point where interaction with this stuff and, and the way we do this stuff is, is going to rapidly change. And, and Google now, uh, with, with the next version of, of Android, um, has this ability, if a developer uses it, where a person doesn't have to actually download part of, or doesn't have to download an app to do something. So say you're traveling and you want to get a hotel reservation and you you don't have to download the whole like Hotel Tonight thing. You just Google for a hotel reservation and it'll say, hey, do you want to do this to the hotel tonight app and you're like yeah sure and it downloads in real time the part of the app that you need to do that yeah right 
And and that's all going back to the messaging interface where, you know, if you're right. in Facebook Messenger or, or Google Allo or whatever their messaging thing is or iMessage, you, you'll be able to interact with an app without having to download that app or, or get the whole thing or have to even worry about opening an app or going to a, a chiclet on your desktop, which is still, you know, kind of a, a last century use case. Um, I don't know. I, I think our phone's going to be like just, just messengers in, in 10 years. Yeah, you know? and I think yeah. we're going to be. Uh, you're going to say like, "Hey, I need a reservation at this hotel, uh, you know, for tomorrow night," and boom, it happens. Or, "Hey, send an email to Thomas and ask him if he can have dinner tomorrow night at eleven, and if he can, like, figure out a good place for us to eat." He doesn't like Mexican, but you know, he really likes uh, Honduran food, and boom, it'll happen. Right. And that, that's yeah. That's I, th- cool. I think you're right. Um, and I and I think we're going to be moving away from the app idea right that you're talking about and but I don't, and so even if it is kind of messaging based i don't think it's going to be like you're not right now everybody's trying to win the messaging space as in like they want you to stay in facebook messenger and do all these things right. that's just right now that's not gonna i mean that's not gonna cut it period um so what it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be like the google phone the facebook phone the apple phone and the phone just has all of this built into to it and it does right so your phone is your messenger right which is kind of what it is now but it does all those things for you kind of built in in a, in a way that you don't have to have a hundred apps to do all the different things you want to do you've totally got to watch her it's yeah. it's so much about this it's I'll, I'll gift it to you on google play movies thanks thanks <laughs> sam's in the gifting mood lately <laughs> i'll let me ever know premium after we talked on the last show like dude we're going to two devices for basic i can't do that and then Sam gifted me Evernote Premium. There you go. There you go. All right. So um, is Ivanka going to be our next uh, (laughs) VP? There's no good segue, is there? No, I was was trying to talk about, like, I don't know. I I was going to uh, gifting or, or, you know, the perfect package, tiny hands. I I don't know how to to go from here to there. Yeah, okay, so apparently, but th- okay, this is not the first that we've heard of this, right? I mean, there's been rumors about this or suggestions floating around for a couple of weeks now, at least, right? I mean, at least that I've seen. So, um, but now there's this idea that is legitimately apparently getting floated that maybe Trump should pick his daughter, Ivanka, as his running mate. Um, <laughs> And it's crazy. And so, like, her brother, Eric, right, asked about it. To say how qualified she is, he starts off by talking about how she looks. And then he says she's very smart, 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 right, or something like that. And it's like, okay, so she's qualified because she's beautiful is the first thing he starts with. She's got the beautiful looks, he says. She's got the beautiful looks, yeah, which is, like, just a really – like, that's an odd way to say it, right? But it sounds just like his dad. It sounds just like it sounds Donald just like Trump. him, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know the beautiful looks, look. and she's got the beautiful looks, and you're going to yeah. love the beautiful looks, right? Well, um, I mean, but of course, like he, Trump has Donald Trump has talked about Ivanka before. Like, well, basically, you know, if she weren't my daughter, it's like, dude, yeah. you can't say that. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be thinking that. You either. should not be thinking that. But you especially can't say that. Um, so yeah, now it's getting floated. Who was it? Corker today? That's Corker. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not just uh, Trump. It's Peter. not it's, just the Trump family kind of pushing this, right? Yeah. Holy crap! I mean, Bob Corker. Who, who's 
you know, he's he's got a name. He's not a he's not a, a chump. Like, he does have a name. <laughs> he has but, a yeah, name. So, he has an identity. But, um, but it is, you know, so it's kind of like um like it's House of Cards, right? I was gonna say a little spoiler alert, but we're way far enough past yeah, the season. Haven't watched yet. Yeah. Um, then I don't feel sorry for you, right? Uh, but yeah, you know, it's kind of like this pushing, kind of keeping it in the family type thing. Um, at least, so two thoughts there. One is, you know, they wrote these scripts for the last season of House of Cards a year in advance. Contested convention, family member on the ticket, all this stuff. So it's not like they were writing it to go with this presidential election. It's just crazy how much of it has kind of lined up. Um, but and two, also at least so on good. the show, yeah, just fantastic. But at least on Dennis the show, um, uh, his wife Claire is like you know had been had done. Thing. Not that Ivanka hasn't done things, but had done like high level government things. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, as had Frank. Right. Yeah, he was Speaker of the House before. You know, right. he's a congressman from good old South Gaffney, Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, even though he spoke with something that resembled a low country accent and not an upstate accent. Well, so Kevin Spacey has a house in, in Charleston. And right. part, I mean, most of the show, when they, even when they're in Gaffney, they film it in Charleston. But he's, uh, he, I mean, he, he and like Bill Murray are, are good friends, and they are frequently out together in in Charleston. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely a low country accent. That is not an upstate accent. <laughs> at no, all. No, no, no. There is no upstate accent. They just sound like kind of dull Presbyterians. Um, <laughs> so I, I was thinking today, you know, with this, it's it's fascinating to me how. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to say this in a, in a way that isn't offensive to anybody, but that, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, in light of the, the last two days with police shooting two black men who, you know, whatever the circumstances, we don't know. But, you know, we we have video and we have anecdotal evidence and it, it looks as if the police officers, white police officers in this case, basically executed these two black men, you know, with kind of guilty before um, proven guilty. And in light of that and this whole sort of movement, both on on that side of things with the Ivanka people and even with the Bernie people, and uh, I'm not a Hillary fanboy, fangirl, you know, fan person, you know, but I, whatever. She's she's where she is. Uh, But on these two extremes, it's like we're in this weird epoch where, especially on, on the right side of things, where people are saying, oh, well, you just don't have a sense of humor, and that's that's not a, a, a star of David over a pile of cash. That's a sheriff star, and you're the one who's racial profiling because you're looking for things. And oh, lighten up! You always are trying to be, you know, so so offended. And it's us Christians who are being persecuted, even the, even though they're close to two billion Christians. Um, and it's it's us, you know, white men who are having to struggle through how things are because you liberals ruined things and, and you made the world this way and everyone's got trigger warnings and everyone's so on eggshells and we just need to go back to where we were back in the day when 
you know, you could call a spade a spade and say what you wanted to say, and and people would say, well, that's that's what you're feeling. Um, it, it's like, and, and I don't think that's because of Facebook and social media and Twitter and all of that. You know, like we like to blame those things. I don't think that's the root cause of all of this. I think a lot of it is just that continual feeling that our generation was the best generation and then this uh, you know new generation or this this other side of things on the political spectrum is what ruined it and it's those damn millennials or it's those damn liberals or it's those damn rednecks or it's those damn yankees or whatever great band uh that that you know really came along and, and changed things for the worse but you know remember how good we had it back in the day i mean that was yeah we, we were there back in the you know the bill clinton days or the reagan days or or you know, the JFK days or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I think about this from a religious point of view, as I do, and how I think Jesus felt the same thing in some ways that, you know, this is it. You know, we're, the end of the world is coming, if not tomorrow, you know, on Friday. And if it doesn't come, and if God's kingdom doesn't come, then it's going to come next Monday. And, it's imminent. Like there is no next month. There is no next year. And we got to get our shit together, put our shit in a box, put our shit box in the ship museum and leave it there. But in the meantime, we have to model what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And for Jesus, that meant a radical kind of eschatology of, you know, loving one another and loving your enemy and all that stuff. But also saying, you know, if you were, if you're not following these kingdom ethics, then you're not going to get into the kingdom. And it feels like the the that sort of portrayal of, of kingdom ethics in 2016 is so far away from kind of traditional Christianity in that sense. Even though, like, the Trump people want to wrap themselves with Christianity. I, I don't know. Like, just the eschatological—do you see what I'm saying? Like, the eschatological worldview of— where we are, which we always do. I mean, whether it's the communist or whether it's, you know, the, the Yankees or the rebels or whether it's the British or whoever, you know, whoever's attacking our country here in the United States, at least, um, you know, we're always at, at death's door. And, um, you know, the, the how Lindsay's of the world are, are ready to pronounce that, you know, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, Jack Venom P, all those guys. And it's fascinating to me how, in stark contrast, Trump's eschatological ethics or Trump's followers' eschatological ethics are compared to what we read in the Gospels. Does that make sense at all? Um, I'm kind of rambling, but... Yeah, no, I think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, there's nothing necessarily new about kind of predicting the end of the age. Right. 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 And thinking that you live in it and thinking that you are the only righteous people and that everybody else is clearly, you know, not part of God's chosen. I mean, so obviously Bob Dylan has a great song about this, you know, with God on our side. Um, And everybody thinks that, you know, God is on their side. Everybody thinks that history is on their side. Everyone thinks that they are in the right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing new, you know, it kind of being connected to, you know, a certain kind of 
eschatological or apocalyptic mentality, I think is also not new. Right? The idea is we're the righteous and we're the ones doing things right and we think we're being mistreated. So something's got to change and nothing is going to get better here. So, you know, we got to blow the whole thing up and start over again. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just feels, whether it's the Bernie side of things or the Trump side of things, that politically that's kind of where we are. And it feels like the Sadducees fighting with the Pharisees. You know, <laughs> like there's yeah, there's this weird kind of politico-religious sentiment on both sides. And both sides can claim truths based on inherent beliefs about the United States or about jesus or christianity but when you hear trump saying we're going to make christianity great again we're going to when you hear merry christmas you know at christmas you're going to hear merry christmas you know people aren't going to say happy holidays anymore they're going to say merry christmas and it's like holy shit like you're talking about sharia law (laughs) or or here in south carolina there was a, a small town called timmonsville that passed a law last week saying that if you are wearing like if you're a sagging your pants which i i didn't know was still a thing um, I haven't seen anyone with sagging pants since the nineties, I guess. But if you, if you know, we're going to put up the straw person. If you're sagging your britches and your underwear showing, we're going to fine you $600. It's like, okay, well next are you going to say that women have to wear the hijab? Cause that's <laughs> like, eh, that's a slippery slope you're making there. Timmonsville city council. Um, well, but again, too, this is nothing new, right? And, and in fact, what we're we're still in the process of rolling back so-called blue laws, right? That that say you can't buy alcohol on a Sunday, right? Right? Because somebody thought everybody should be in church, and so I'm going to keep you from going, you know, from staying out of church, not let you buy alcohol. If you don't have anything else to do, you got to go to church, right? I mean, that's that okay. is to me the very definition of imposing your religion. Um, legislatively on other people. Here in South Carolina, um, you, you can't buy liquor on election day or, or up until a certain time. I forgot the time because... Well, the way it was when we lived in Columbia, I don't know if it still is, but it was not until noon yeah, on a like Sunday that. or like 2 o'clock on a Sunday, something like that, that you could buy alcohol. And they would have, like, they literally close off entire sections of grocery stores. Oh, yeah. They have little things they pull down. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and the, uh, that's not all of... South Carolina. I mean, that that's a city by city vote, basically. So there are still like a vast majority of South right. Carolina. You still can't buy, and it's not liquor. You, can, you can't buy beer uh, on Sundays in South Carolina for the most part. In Columbia, Charleston, Greenville, you can. But I mean, like parts of where I grew up, no, you can't buy beer. Um, and you know, the beer is there, but they they have these little roll things that they roll down. Um, yeah. And if you go back and pick it up and take it to check out, they won't check it out for you. <laughs> You know this by experience. I'm uh, just saying. <laughs> You're like I brought this thing all the way back here, um, but yeah, I mean, in South Carolina, still, like uh, I I'm, forgot what time it is, but you can't buy liquor. You can buy beer, but you can't buy liquor until certain times because the Republicans were so worried that the Democrats were buying liquor and giving it to the black people to you know go vote and say, hey, we'll take it to the liquor store after um, after we take it to the polls. So hop in the back of the truck and we're going to drive up to the polls. You're going to give up for all the Democrats and then we're going to take you to the liquor store and then we'll take you back to your projects. And that's always been the stereotype for the most part. Yeah. Terrible, but I don't know. 
it's um I, my favorite uh one of my favorite little Chinese restaurants here. Like they're always open on Christmas and like they were open on July fourth, but they were closed on the Tuesday afterwards. So I was joking with 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 the guy who's Korean, uh who who works there and uh who always takes care of us and, and he was like, Yeah, you know, you Americans, you know, you, you like to have your holidays and pretend like, you know, no one's working, but we'll we'll just take all your money and then we're gonna take the day off <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's that's a good way to do it. Well, speaking of um, forcing our beliefs on other people, um, Christian Mingle is no longer allowed to do that because um, thanks to a settlement and a lawsuit, they now have to um, add options on their site for gay people. So you can actually choose your gender and you can choose your, you know, so-and-so seeking so-and-so. It's no longer, you know, Man seeking woman, woman seeking man, um, which is really interesting. And they they fought it, and you know a lot of pastors aren't happy. People that are on their board, things like that. Um, so they're doing exactly what you would expect them to do. But it was also interesting to me thinking about just kind of how like Christian mingle to me fits in a particular subculture of Christianity. Maybe it doesn't. Just in my mind, it does. And that particular subculture of Christianity is one that is not particularly welcoming and affirming. And so I'm trying to think like, I, you know, I know plenty of gay Christians, but who are the gay Christians that are going to Christian mingle? I know. <laughs> like who goes right? there? That's what, I'm, that's what I was trying to figure out. I mean, why, why not go to FarmersOnly.com? Because you don't have to be lonely at Farmers Only, <laughs> as ESPN has taught us all many, many times. Yes. <laughs> um. It, it it is interesting they they uh you know sort of targeted activists basically targeted Christian and Mingle for that I had no idea Christian and Mingle was still around I, I remember that from ten years ago but are, are dating sites still a thing besides like the adult dating <laughs> dating sites yeah so I think oh and the, and the thing now is that they're becoming more and more niche right you've got Farmers Only you've got J Date you've got well, dating sites been around for, forever. Okay. Yeah, but like you've got dating sites for Latter Day Saints, and you have also um, what is is it Ladders? Is that the one? No, that's not Ladders. Is like helping you like find like high school people, you know, high class people, whatever, find jobs. But there's another one for like you know upper class people that only want to date other upper class people. So they're becoming <laughs> kind of more and more niche. I can't think of the name of it right now. I don't know why it slipped my mind. But I, I think a lot uh, of those are primarily for older people now or people in their 30 you know late 30s, 40s, 50s. But if you're you know if you've got a phone and you're younger, you're using things like Tinder or Grinder or Thrender or whatever if Right. Well, and they're threesome. trying to Isn't it eHarmony that has these, all these commercials now where they're, you know, it's set up like the man on the street interview type thing. Um, like, you know, oh, do you like this guy? Like, oh, I don't like dating sites because, you know, then the guys on there are good. And they're like, oh, how about this guy? And like, oh, that guy's perfect. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's uh, I think that's Match, isn't it? Match.com? Oh, it is. That's Match.com. That's right. It's not eHarmony. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see kind of the statistics on it now. But um, I guess... Yeah, they're a thing, but I don't know how much of a thing. Um, but, I mean, you know, there are certainly people who feel like, hey, I'm 30. I don't want to do the Tinder thing, right? And if they're looking, you know, if they want to look online, like, where are they going to look? You know, they're 
they're going to look for dating sites, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I have no experience with this just because I mean, I've been married a long time now. So um, <laughs> I had no experience with kind of online dating or anything like that um, when I was kind of coming up. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know friends, I know friends who, who have, but I just don't, you know, it, it's still a bit taboo, which I don't think is right. Um, so a lot of people don't really talk about it. Right? I don't know why it's any better to say I'm going to a bar tonight to try to meet somebody than to say I'm going to try to you know drill down and get much more specific and in depth about what I'm interested in and what other people are interested in and do that online and try to meet somebody. But, but you know, it's interesting. It's, it's like, like a much mature thing to do, but yeah, especially you know younger people just kind of trading like kick profiles or Snapchat yeah. profiles. And you, you know, you go to like a message board or Reddit thread or something, and it's it's like uh, you know pen pals or there's like uh, all sorts of different variations on that, and people just kind of throw out their their kick username or their Snapchat username, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's message me here. And it's like, wow, <laughs> that's right. you're, you're going to go straight to that. Like that's a, you know, it, it's such a different mindset than. But it's what it's we kind of but with. that's. But that would be the equivalent of you meet somebody in a bar and you give them your number, right? Right, right, exactly. And actually, exactly. this is even a little bit like say, okay, I'm gonna you know you hit me up on Kick or whatever is a little bit less committal than your phone number. Yeah, because it's anonymous. I mean, it should right. be, it can be. Right. Um, yeah. right. I mean, depending on how you use it, I I use Kick, but I use it with you know my name is my username. Don't don't be creepy, and uh, you know I don't I don't have any reason to use it for other purposes but i know people do but that's what i thought was so interesting with with this is that the idea of a private company having to you know go through those hoops it, it, not hoops but you know a, a private company right having to do that like that seems interesting <laughs> from, yeah well and, and the reason is because they is because they're headquartered in California, right? Uh, I don't right. think it's just because they operate in California, but they're headquartered in California, and there's California laws that say, you know, every single business has to abide by these things, and they don't, so <clears throat> they have to. They somebody brought a lawsuit and won. Yeah, um, good for them. Yeah. So, but I also think like they're, you know, it's it would not be difficult for people to show standing in a suit like this, right? Like, hey, I'm a gay Christian. But your site apparently says I don't exist and I'm not worthy to date or whatever. You know, it's certainly discriminatory. And so, you know, I think that particularly since they're not taking like a religious exemption because you can't really claim a dating site or dating service as a religious activity in the way that our country currently defines these type of things. Um, so this is a service that would be service open to anyone, right? Kind of like baking a cake. Um, so we'll see. I don't think this is going to get as much kind of gusto behind it from the, you know, Christian persecutionists as the uh, bakers, which is funny and ironic in all kinds of ways. Um, but I think it has to do a little bit with how kind of taboo still online dating is in general. Yeah. Um, Sure. That they're not going to kind of really be pushing behind this and saying that this is, you know, Sharia law, whatever, what, yeah. what you would normally expect. <laughs> right. Uh, it's interesting. It, it, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's hard to use that word. I think it's fascinating uh, that that's like, you know, J-Date and E-Harmony and those things are, are still 
still around in the age of Tinder. <laughs> but or Facebook even. You know, I know people who yeah. are like, Oh, that person's cute on your Facebook profile. Like what you know, what's what's I'm gonna friend right. them or whatever. It's like what really? That's how you're gonna you're gonna meet someone by friending them on Facebook? Okay. Um but you know, it's a different world and that that's kind of the beauty of the web is that you can meet someone in Tanzania and they have similar interests and you can explore that and that's fantastic. As, you know. I agree. I think that's perfectly well said. <laughs> <laughs> they have similar interests and you can explore that. You can explore that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I, I think that's absolutely right. But I, I think this is another thing we're going to see kind of shift, right? Continue to shift. And I don't I don't think Tinder is the answer. Like, it's not going to be the, the model that kind of wins this. It's not, it's not the Uber for dating. <laughs> no. <laughs> can we have an Uber for Uber but for blank? Um, but yeah, it's, it is going to be fun to watch, particularly as, you know, we have kind of the intersection with religion and legality and things like that with this going on kind of in this online dating site, which is not a place admittedly that, you know, you and I think about very often. Well, so, uh, you know, what I think we need is a tender for churches. So the churches can put up their profiles and people can say, you know, move to a new town or thinking like, oh, I want to go to some other place of worship. Or maybe I want to experiment with the Methodist, which I don't advise anyone to do because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they like missionary. I mean, no. So so you just you swipe Tinder style. I've never actually used t- Tinder, to be honest. But, you know, you, you go through and it's like, well, I don't like that church because they do this and they have this. and You know, like, would that be neat? Yeah. So there is. I mean, so the PCUSA has a matching system, right? It's not exactly Tinder, um, <laughs> but they do have a matching system for like churches and uh, like pastors. That the PCA would say that that's a, you know basically Tinder, but or right. Grinder. I would say, yeah, <laughs> Grinder. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they have yeah they have a like an internal app basically. Yeah, like it's an internal thing, and it like churches fill out these really long forms that say like here's who we are and here's what we're looking for oh god can and, you imagine being into those meetings like writing the church yes, identity I, I know exactly what those meetings are like. uh, right <laughs> and then picking like you can only pick 10 of these qualities in your next pastor like you better pick them right and they're like but they say the same th- well you gotta pick them yeah so he's good and at then, communicating um, he's good at and then like individuals <laughs> yeah ministers will you know do the same thing right they they pick out like, here's who I am, and here are my qualities, here's what I'm looking for, that kind of thing. And then there's a matching service that kind of matches you. And then, but you can also like self refer and things like that too. So it, it, you don't it's have more to like just... a, like, like eHarmony, where, where there's like yeah. a formula type thing. Yeah. My, my ex wife yeah. actually met a boyfriend on eHarmony who was a cool guy who so we're still good friends go. with. Yeah. So it works. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, that <note>. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for your ex-wife, so she maybe it'll work for it. It's public. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, there, there's a well. Was the, somebody actually after our divorce, they they tried to refer me. What's there's a service that's like divorce date or something, and I was like, no, no, I'm I'm good, I'm good. It's kind of like an eHarmony just for divorce people. Yeah, divorces. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's like the see that's that's where it is, right? It's in it's in the niche markets, well, uh, which is which is something that you and I completely support, right? I mean, that's yep. what our whole 
you're all about like niche podcasting and you know we believe in niche markets so um so it's really surprising to see it kind of take off and a lot of people are yeah a lot of people are really specific about what they're looking for and someone that they want to spend time with um so which makes me uh, always nervous but yeah um yeah on that note <laughs> is that a good place to stop or yeah. Um, you can always find Sam uh, on Tinder at no um, on Twitter at Sam Harrelson. <laughs> Big Daddy eight two one. Yeah. Uh, to, please don't look that up. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Sam let that slip. That was not supposed to come. Damn up. it. <laughs> um, you can find Sam at Sam Harrelson. You can find me at Thomas Whitley, and you can always find more great podcasts at Thinking FM.